0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So this Sunday, round two against the Jacksonville Jaguars for the Indianapolis Colts, who are 2-2-1, and and, uh, that's way better than they deserve. Or you could argue that's way worse than they should be. I mean, how do you like it? Tony Katz, good to be with you. JMV joins us right now from 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. It is the Colts. It's the Jaguars. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff over there at Lucas Oil. They have had a nice long rest since the Thursday night game, beating Denver in the worst game you ever saw until maybe last night with the Commanders over the Bears. Uh, I guess guess Amazon is where you go to not, you know, play good football. But the Colts coming into this game, are the Matt Ryan problems the big story, or is the big story, hey, we moved around this offensive line, Braden Smith is all in on this thing now, and that problem solved. Uh, Matt Ryan will never get sacked again.
1: No, hey, Tony, the big story is this offensive line, and that's where we continue to go. And I know people are getting worn out on it, but the fact remains, if this offensive line does not work, this team doesn't work. And that's exactly the results you have seen so far this year. You mentioned something as you were bringing me in here. Uh, is it good to be 2-2-1? Two, two, and one? Is it bad to be 2-2-1? Two, two, and one? And all you have to do is go back to July or go back to June and think about in, in the worst-case scenario, if this offensive line and this quarterback looked the way that it did through the first five weeks of the season, what you thought this record might look like, and you probably wouldn't have them winning a game. So there is no doubt, Tony, this is a fortunate team to be 2-2-1, two, two, and one. but if they simply put cannot get these guys, and I'm talking about the players, if they cannot find a solution to this offensive line, it is going to be more of the same, if not worse, as we move forward, and that starts with Jacksonville and what should be just a tremendous revenge game coming up inside Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday.
0: So when we talk about these moves, who's in, who's out, and what is the hope?
1: All right, I don't know for the hope, Tony. I don't know if I have much hope for it right now, but here's what I think they're going to do coming up on Sunday. So Bernard Ryman, the rookie, he is going to get the start for the rest of the year at left tackle. You saw he was rough, beyond rough, over a week ago on Thursday night in Denver. Uh, They say he got better. I don't know. I didn't have an eyeball for that. I just saw inside his helmet a bunch of times. It looked like he was somewhere between nightmare and wanting to puke. But he is going to be the starter at left tackle. Quentin Nelson, obviously, left guard. Ryan Kelly appears to be still moving forward as the starter at center because Frank Reich said a couple of days ago, you know, he has had no discussions about replacing Ryan Kelly, who's been ineffective at center. I would think at at right guard, you may end up seeing Matt Pryor. If for nothing else, you can't really find any place else on this line where he's going to do any good. So I would look at maybe Matt Pryor. Maybe they go back to Danny Penter at right guard, and I think Braden Smith goes back to right tackle coming up on Sunday. That's going to be the look of the offensive line.
0: Matt Ryan, is Matt Ryan your problem or is Matt Ryan a problem because the offensive line is a problem?
1: Well, Tony, I mean, he is a part of the problem, definitely. You fumble 11 times and you're significantly a part of the problem. You throw seven interceptions through five weeks, you're significantly a part of the problem. But, listen, to my eyeballs and everybody else, as you can see, that the dude is running for his life the entire time. But I have an edge at least a couple of different times in going to these games and sitting in the press box. Normally, it's not great sitting six stories above Lucas Oil Stadium's playing service, but you can see in those games where he misses guys. He has missed guys. He has not been that effective. He has not been that efficient, but it all certainly hasn't been on him, and it does start with the offensive line, which would beg the question, why have they not shortened up some routes why have they not tried to go to the screen game more and I know people are screaming at the radio that are Colts fans right now saying well wait a minute that's just not what they do well well I would say to hell with well right now you got to find something you can do to be able to sustain drives because they the offensive line can't protect long enough to give these guys a chance to perform their routes as receivers, and Ryan to look for him. He's running for his life basically after one second. So to me, offensively, you've got to try to change the rules up a little bit with how Matt Ryan throws, a little quicker, shorter patterns, some screen game patterns as well. But honestly, he has been maybe not equal to the problem of the offensive line, but he has been a significant issue even beyond the inefficient play, Tony, of that offensive line.
0: Talking to JMV from 93.5107.5, the fan, 3 to 6 p.m. You can join him then. So, Naeem Hines is still in the concussion protocol, or is he out uh, of it and able to play uh, on Sunday? What's the status of Jonathan Taylor, and is Philip Lindsay stretching?
1: Uh, Well, (laughs) Jonathan Taylor was limited in practice, so I I would guess that's a good sign. I thought, I think I told you this earlier in the week, I thought he would have played had. Uh, That's not been a short week last week, Uh, but it was, and he didn't. But I would expect Jonathan Taylor to be able to play. Naheem Hines is a different story. Still wearing the red jersey yesterday, still within concussion protocol. So that's going to be certainly dicey. Tyquan Lewis, who had been in concussion protocol on the defensive side of the football, he was out of the red jersey, and we'll see about him coming up on Sunday. So they do, Tony, they have significant Injury concerns here, no doubt about that. I, I don't know about Naheem Hines. That's sketchy, even at best, right now, for him to play on Sunday, but I would expect Jonathan Taylor. Oh, to play.
0: I I would expect Naheem Hines not to be playing on Sunday. That was some ugly wobbling, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the guy clearly is tough as nails. I, I like him as a player quite a bit, but holy cow, sometimes you get the bell rung, and that's what happened.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt, and and I hate for it to be this way, but, Tony, you and I both know it's the way that it is because it's just societal, that after Tua's situation, this is going to be an ultra-sensitive subject, no matter what we're talking about, and you're absolutely right. The optics of that, when he was wobbling after that hit, that is probably going to prolong, you know, the way that they focus in on how they're and then they should. Don't get me wrong. They should for the betterment of the health of these players. But that situation with two a couple of weeks ago, it makes everything like that even more so ultra sensitive. And I'm assuming that's what they're also dealing with as well as he's trying to come back for this. And I would agree. Yeah, it's an outside chance at best and probably not even that.
0: Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball just for a moment because so much of the problems are offensive and they're so glaring – in my view, outsider looking in, this defense is not living up to expectations at all. They clearly uh, don't have a Shaquille Leonard that they can have a faith in being there week after week. That's not a, I'm not talking about him not being a good player. I'm saying there's a problem and there's a health problem and that problem has not gotten in any way uh, solved. But you take a look at sacks, you take a look at interceptions. Uh, this is not a team that is is crushing it. Where are they? What's happening? What changes could be coming on that side of the ball?
1: Well, Tony, I I look at it this way, and you could say you know, certainly all you want because Denver was um, an able subject being as bad as they were on Thursday night. But that defense did get better. It's interesting. You look back at the Kansas City game against Patrick Mahomes. They played as well against Patrick Mahomes as really you can as a defense. And I know Russell Wilson seemingly has incredible issues right now. But they certainly held him in check. I know DeForest Buckner had a couple of sacks, and Gakwe came off the edge for a sack as well. And then when you look in the secondary, you know, we've been uh, very negative on this Colts team, rightly so, so far this season, and especially on Chris Ballard, at least on my show with me, the general manager. But one of the things that he set out to do in the offseason is to find a playmaker in that secondary and bringing in a former NFL AFC Defensive Player of the Year, Stephon Gilmore, who people thought, you know, was injured and maybe passed it by now. He's already paid off because he essentially helped them win that game on Thursday night in Denver. He was the reason why they were there to win that game on four field goals in Denver. So I think he's been playing well. I think Julian Blackman at safety is going to be back coming up this weekend. So that's a good sign. So I guess what I'm saying is if you're looking for a silver lining as far as this defense is concerned, They did play better in Denver. We'll see if they can play off of that against a Jacksonville team that basically the last two games against the Colts have done really, Tony, whatever they wanted to do and really depressed them. I mean, They've embarrassed them, you know, bounced them out of the postseason, embarrassed them in week two. So if you're thinking about a little payback in your mind, you kind of think about when's it going to come, if not Sunday, when, if ever, I guess, for this Colts team.
0: Really quick, you you said it's revenge. Uh, this game is over. What do you expect that score to be?
1: If they don't win, if they don't beat them, I, I, my final score here is 24 to 21 Colts. If they don't beat them on Sunday, I'm going to be massively disappointed in this team for what it is worth about getting up for a team that you should absolutely have in the crosshairs after what they have done with you the past two games. I, I cannot even tell you how disappointed I will be if they don't win there on Sunday.
0: That right there is JMV, or as they say in the business, JMV. I don't know. Do you guys know what that is? Like, that's an old school radio thing from when DJs would, like, put on that kind of, like, fake. It's not an accent. It it, you know, it was just 93. Like, I can't even do it. Do you know what I'm talking about, Ryan? They called it puking. You know? JMV on the fan. Like it was it's this I I may thank goodness I was not in radio back in the day. But he is 935 1075 the fan 3 to 6 p.m. I appreciate him. Do not upset him. Indianapolis Colts, he will be upset if you do not win. Uh, I I assume that if the Colts lose to the Jaguars twice, Colts fans will go crazy. I assume that if the Colts don't score any points, that the Colts fans are going to want blood. And the question I didn't get to ask Jam B, I'm actually very, very, very upset with myself. Um, what is Jim Ursay's breaking point? At what moment, at, at what what is the score? What is the maybe it's the win, maybe it's the loss, and when does it happen where he goes, Okay, I gotta start over again. Damn you, Andrew, luck! And he just starts clearing house. Now, based on everybody's analysis, who knows more about this than I do, that's absolutely not who he is. That's not how he works. It's not how he operates. All that said, what's the moment? This is my question. What is the moment that he's like, yeah, I am just, I'm too angry for words. What's the fans' moment? Is he listening to the fans and connected like that? The fans don't necessarily want an ugly game, but you got, you got to give them the win against Jacksonville. And you got to put them in the win in, in, in the plus column, three, two, and one. And they'll be like, okay, season is salvageable, especially in comparison to the rest of the AFC South, where all of a sudden, based on whatever the Titans do, the Colts would be on top because the, the, the Jaguars are two and two. Wait, the Jaguars, Jaguars are two and two or two and three? Look that up, Ryan. The Jaguars, because there's been five games. They're two and they're three and two. No, they're two and three. So they'd be two and four. So wait, the Colts are ahead of the Jags right now. That's hilarious. That's absolutely positively hilarious. I still think it was week four going to week five, week five going to week six. Ah, Colts fans want to win. And I don't know where Ursae, I don't know where Ursae is like, I'm done here. That's what I'm curious to find out about. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. I know everybody and their mother wants to talk about body shaming. It's not a new thing, but it's a big thing. You shouldn't say this about someone, you shouldn't say that about someone. I, I said this about Megyn Kelly regarding Kim Kardashian, because Megyn Kelly said, why is it every time I open a newspaper, I turn around, I've got uh, Kim Kardashian's enormous fake ass in my face? Uh, that's a quote, right? And I'm like, D- uh, "What? what are you doing? If you want to talk about cultural rot, this is exactly how I described If you want to talk about cultural rot, I'm totally there with you. There's a serious issue. I don't think the Kardashians are great for anybody. I'm not a fan. I'm not into it. I'm not going to be told that these are the most beautiful people on planet Earth either. Far freaking from it, but that's a personal opinion. I just thought it was strange. You're talking about her giant butt. I thought that was weird. I don't think that it's weird if someone says, could she please stop posing in the nude? Could everyone please stop paying attention to her already? Dear Lord, how much exhibitionism is it? We've already seen every side of Kim Kardashian. We've seen her with clothes. We've seen her without clothes. We've seen her uh, from, from below. We've seen her from the Ray J view. We've seen it all. Don't you get exhausted, I think, is the more rational question. Then there's this story about Paige Spiranak. She's a golfer, but I don't think her pro career ever really uh, took off. Um, she, she's a, a a golf influencer now. She's a very good-looking woman. And she shows off every part of her body in different outfits all the time. That's her business. And she is now going to Instagram to say that she's been hurt by comments she receives on posts that criticize her body because people are calling her fat. First of all, um, welcome to the club of people being called fat. I mean, dear Lord, if it wasn't for people calling me fat, it would just be the rest of them calling me uh, a dirty Jew trader, right? So, you know, I mean, I only get a certain number of comments your whole career is showing off your body, you are surprised that people would say something about your body? Now, you'll notice I didn't say why would anybody go to the comments and say something about Kim Kardashian's uh, uh, butt. I'm not going to do that because it's the comments. They're criminally insane. Criminally insane. If you read the comments... You are you are demented. Although a good podcast, I think a really good podcast would be called Reading the Comments. And we read the comments from other people's podcasts. <gasps> Ryan, I'm on to something. Ryan, tell me up, tell me, is that a podcast you would listen to? It's kind of like the, you know, the only thing Kimmel has ever done good on late night TV, the mean tweets, where he has the celebrities read their the tweets that are mean about them. If we did a podcast called Reading the Comments, That's good, right? That'd be fantastic. See, you're just saying that. You've got, like, zero emotion to it, Ryan. Nobody believes you. You got to say it like you meant it, Ryan. Try it.
1: Record-selling podcast.
0: Yeah, no one's buying that either. But I like the idea. I might actually do it. I might actually do it. Reading the comments? Oh, that'd be good. That would be so good. Wait, is that utilizing somebody's content inappropriately? Like, is that? No. No, it's not. Comments are public Ooh, this is happening uh trademark copyright you heard nothing page page hold on I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to page Instagram right now uh so um uh, I, I don't know if I have any uh Kind of going to Page's uh, Instagram music. Oh, I I do here. This is this is what I play when I go to Page Bareneck's Instagram. Ding, fries it, fries ho- done. Yeah, it, Ding, Yeah, it works.
2: Fries done. I gotta run.
0: I All right, gotta I'm here. Run. I'm here. No, okay.
2: oh, stop I it! I said I enough, a- Peter.
0: Um, Page. What is this S P I R? All right, so I th- I think wait, that's not that's not Paige Bernack. Um oh, Paige is that yeah, 3.6 million followers. Okay. First of all, my search history on Instagram is ruined. Totally ruined. Secondly, every single shot of her is in a bikini that is clearly too small or a tank top that is clearly too small or a bodysuit that is clearly too small every single shot people are going to comment about your body kim kardashian should not be surprised that people comment about her body i just thought it was weird that megan kelly did that i just thought that was out of out of sorts you have 3.6 million followers you're making ba 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 bank yeah people are going to say things about your body and Chris Rock is going to look at Jada Pinkett Smith and say can't wait for G.I. Jane 2 and you don't go slapping him in the face you're like ha 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 you count the money in your bank account and you shut your mouth I don't think people should necessarily make fun of Paige Baranac but Paige you gotta be tougher than this can't let these people bother you don't be silly also, I'm I'm now following Paige Farinak on Instagram. Every single picture. Dear Lord. I didn't know there were that many small outfits. This is Tony Katz today. Elections, elections everywhere. And of course, Indiana. Is not left out. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. The Secretary of State's race in the state of Indiana has gotten a lot of play. Debates where the Republican, Diego Morales, doesn't show up. Interview requests where the Democrat, Destiny Wells, who on Twitter said she would join us, informed us in a very 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 kind email uh her team informed us that she will not be engaging a deba- uh, a conversation with us not a debate she did uh, uh, one of the debates she will not come on the show to answer questions We said we were reaching out to everybody. Jeff Maurer joins us right now. He is the Libertarian candidate for Secretary of State. Maurer, M-A-U-R-E-R, Maurer for Indiana. That's F-O-R, Maurer for Indiana uh, dot com. Uh, uh, Jeff, good to have you uh, on the show. This Secretary of State's race, it seems like an odd position. Why in the world do I care about the Secretary of State? Uh, In your view, why should Hoosiers care about this race?
2: Tony, good morning. It's good to be with you. Well, for the very thing that you just talked about, our government doesn't listen to us. And when you've got a candidate who refuses to come on, who refuses to answer questions, we've got two candidates who are doing that to you, Tony, unfortunately. This is about government listening to us, we the people. This office is the third highest constitutional office in Indiana. It is our chief elections officer, and our elections are how we get government to work for us. So I'm here today to talk about how I'm going to answer to you, to my neighbors, to my Hoosier voters, to everybody out there who is sick and tired and exhausted of government ignoring us.
0: What is specifically wrong with our election systems? How what are we doing wrong? What is it in your view we could do right? And how does that get done?
2: There's a very long list of things that need to get done. <clears throat> but the short answer is we can prioritize those and identify them with receipts and audits. At the end of the day, when we can count our cash, when we can count our votes the way we count our cash, we're gonna finally get the elections that we deserve. And we can do that with receipts and audits. I started by asking myself a very simple question. Why can't I see a receipt for my vote? Why can't I have proof that I voted? And We start with that, and we build with that with a complete and comprehensive and independent audit of all 92 counties, and that is what's going to give all of us the confidence and trust that our elections are working for us. No more hiding.
0: So now let's talk about what an audit entails. Let's dig a little deep. Talking to Jeff Maurer, libertarian candidate for secretary of state, M-A-U-R-E-R, Maurer for Indiana dot com. That's F-O-R, not the number four. every time you put four on a website, guys, man, it makes makes my life very, very difficult. Maurer for Indiana dot com. You do an audit of a county. What could an audit show? And based on that information, how do you fix the election that just took place?
2: Sure, so audits are meant to look, at it. sorry, we've got two different kinds of audits. Currently, we have a very limited audit. It's only just checking a vote to make sure it was that goes back to the original. That's sort of like what we saw in Florida in the 2000 recount. It's very limited, very focused. What I'm calling for is a comprehensive risk-limiting audit. It's a top-to-bottom audit. It looks at everything. So It looks at who handles our votes. It looks at how they're stored and secured. It looks at who has keys and access to those, room, it, those rooms. It looks at the hardware that we have. It looks at the software that we have. And, yes, it also compares the digital count back to an original paper backup of some kind or another. So, those looking at everything, all the vulnerabilities, everything, think about cash in a store. If this were a little coffee shop, Tony, that you and I ran, we would look at the security system, we would look at the lock on the front door, we would look to make sure that customers weren't getting behind the front counter to touch the cash register. We would look at all of these things, and at the end of the day, we would count the drawer. And make sure that it all adds up. So common sense practices that we know from our businesses, that we know from everyday interactions, if we take that and apply it to our elections, we're going to finally know that the votes that are counted are correct and that no votes that should not have been counted have been submitted
0: so the these audits, uh, th- this this maneuvering, what does this cost? Is this already in a Secretary uh, of State's budget? Does this require a tax increase on Hoosiers?
2: So, as a libertarian, I'm against big government. In fact, I want to make government smaller. And the way that this will work is no, there's not currently funding directly for this type of risk limiting audit. Um, but, First, it's independent, so I'm not asking county clerks to do this. this. The audit is meant to show that they've been doing good work and they've been doing work within the guidelines that they've been set. But there needs to be leadership from the state level to help um, make sure that our, our elections are more secure. And the cost of that audit needs to be put to uh, three different ways to pay for that. First, within a $16 billion state budget, there's always room for spending money on the things that we need or things that we want, and this is something that we absolutely need. Second, we have a $6 billion state surplus, and that can be used for it. And third, this is part of a good risk management program. So, we might pay for auto insurance or home insurance, and we pay more than zero because it protects us from some extraordinarily expensive downside. And the audit is meant to do that. It will help deter any kind of litigation, remember after 2020, Texas and other states sued each other over their elections. It'll help deter being sued. And if we are, it'll be the best evidence to show that our elections were working correctly, that we did do everything correct. And let me just point out this fact. We have a very narrow audit of just the hardware and just the software. And that's basically imagine just auditing the cash register itself, is the cash register working? And that was done for 2020, but that report is still secret. I'm not aware of anybody who's ever actually seen or read this. So if it's so good, why is it hiding?
0: Talking to Jeff Maurer, Secretary uh, of State, candidate libertarians. Uh, You can find him at Maurer, M-A-U-R-E-R for indiana.com, Maurer for indiana.com. You have under your priorities on your website three things elections audits and small business now I want to dig in on the small business but first uh, a, a 30 second primer what does the secretary of state do for small business in your view
2: Sure. So the office has a very narrow mandate. It is the office charged with licensing businesses. You, the entrepreneur, you, the innovator, you, my Hoosier neighbor, you're the one who creates businesses, creates jobs. Government does not do that. But what government does do is recognize your legal entity, the business that you're forming, and that's the narrow administrative role of this office. However, this is an opportunity for real leadership. This is where government can help serve the people of Indiana by making an environment that's welcoming to small businesses and Hoosier entrepreneurs. I myself founded my VR tech company here in Indiana, and I know what it's like to be a small business owner. I'm focused about payroll and cash flow and product and marketing and competition. The last thing I'm worried about is the stack of paperwork that the government wants from me.
0: Okay, that's more than 30 seconds, but I like the answer, don't get me wrong. (laughs) Why? Oh, why, Jeff? And I'll give you 60 seconds on this one. I'm up against it. Okay. You have on your website, legalized cannabis, grow businesses. Normally, I ask, can a libertarian please just go a day without talking about legalizing cannabis? But it's now the all the rage and it's all the conversation. Why is this as a specific listing under small business? Is this the focus of the Secretary of
2: State? No, it's not. And it's very much outside the confines of the office. And so, there are a number of different industries I support, from autonomous vehicles, to medical device, to cryptocurrency. And I think many of our farmers' neighbors will enjoy and profit, ultimately, from growing hemp for all kinds of construction materials and other products. But to talk about the future, and this is a great example, the future of businesses, there are people who will benefit. There are all the support industries that will be created and built to serve this and other future industries that we don't even think about right now. So this is where leadership's needed. We need to create the legal environment. And that means working with our legal community and working with the legislature and with the governor's office to sign bills into law to make it possible and welcoming to create these types of businesses, not to pay millions of dollars to bring in billion-dollar companies, but instead to create Homegrown Hoosier businesses, right here.
0: In five seconds, am I going to be able to get a license or can only certain people get a license?
2: That's up to the legislature.
0: Ooh, that's actually the right answer. Although some will say it's deflection, Jeff. That's what they're going to say. Just let you know. Well, get ready for that. I'm a
2: libertarian I believe in limited government, and that means you, don't even, you wouldn't own. even
0: have a license, would you?
2: That's going to be up to the voter, and no matter what you believe, I want to make sure that your vote on that issue, whether it's for a candidate, or campaign, a cause, a party, that your referendum, that your vote gets counted. So however you feel, it's my responsibility to make sure that you get heard fairly.
0: So that's Jeff Maurer. He is the candidate for secretary of state. That, that whole conversation about Morales, Diego Morales, the Republican, not being a part of the debate. I mean, so much of the the news story to the extent that it's been covered. Remember, there were allegations of impropriety about Diego Morales, and those allegations went absolutely nowhere. That story died so fast. Makes you wonder if it was a story at all. But there is something that that does bug people when you don't show up for a debate. And, and I want to be clear: we did invite Destiny Wells onto the show. Uh, she has declined. She's the Democrat running for Secretary of State. We have invited Diego Morales, the Republican running for Secretary of State, on the show. I have not heard back yet. My executive producer, Matt Hiblin, has not gotten back with me on whether or not we've heard back from the Morales campaign. Jeff Maurer said, "Yes, we had him on the show. That's what we do. We said we were going to invite everybody. We have an invitation out to Ryan Mears on the prosecutor's race. Cindy Carrasco again. We had Angel Gabrowski in the seven just the other day. This continued. Well, would you have Carson on the show? Uh, my, my disdain is real. I, 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 that's 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 obvious and that's clear. And and it, I, to to the extent that we have a past, right? We've never actually spoken." But certainly some back and forth that that I question him greatly, in in the in the spirit of I would do it and I could actually do it and I can, I would have him on. Like in that spirit, but I, I have a really hard time with it. I've got a hard time. With that guy, with the things that that have been said, with, with this goes back a couple years ago. Some things that were said uh, about me, but he didn't use my name. But yeah, no, he did use my name, first and last, first and last name. He used. Oh my gosh, I, I maybe I blocked that out. Oh yeah, as a, as a way of calling me out, first and last name, and I was like, are you trying to get people to find out who I am and where I am? You know what? I so want to be the guy for you guys. I so want to be the guy who's like, yeah, I would do it. But I can hear you. I can hear you like, don't you dare, Katz. Don't you dare. So maybe I'll have to leave it to somebody else to do that interview. Maybe maybe that's just the way we leave it. But I appreciate uh, Jeff Maurer being on the show. Maurer for Indiana, M-A-U-R-E-R, Maurer for Indiana.com. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz.
1: Across the country, as Halloween creeps closer, pumpkin prices are reaching scary new heights. It trickles down from gasoline to food prices, to everything, to even as simple as a beautiful pumpkin. At Goberts Farm, west of Chicago, those iconic orange gourds up 10% as the cost of growing them grows.
0: The biggest issues raising the prices right now are more things that we can't control, such as fertilizer pricing, uh, seed costs, labor expenses.
1: Of course, shoppers, while spooked, have been carving room in their food budgets for months. But the rising prices are going beyond the pumpkin With the record pain of summer inflation stretching into fall, it's driving up prices of holiday staples and delivering a fright for your wallet. The cost of Halloween candy, turkey,
0: eggs, even butter have all increased by 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 a crap ton. And how dare NBC say a summer inflation? It's just inflation. Come on, guys, you almost got it right. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, turkey is up 20%. Candy corn is up 34%. Eggs are up 27%. Actually, that number is 30.5%. And uh, butter is up 25%. Everything's up. Everything is up everywhere. And what Joe Biden is telling you is, you know what? If you vote for Republicans, it'll get worse. But not a single penny. No, I mean it. Not a single penny.
2: If Republican wins, inflation is going to get worse.
0: It's that simple. Why is it that simple? Because you said it. Because you engaged in fear mongering. Because your economy doesn't work. Doesn't work. And I thought this was—I thought this was the clip, man. Like, like this is the clip. Senator Chris Coons—he's he, on CNN talking a, about OPEC. And I'm like, you—do you not hear yourself? He's a senator from Delaware. He's supposed to be mild mannered and a kind of a moderate listen to your
1: own words so he continues to fund this war through the sale of oil with opec plus a surprising decision to slash production by two million barrels a day the president promised a, a response a consequential response what will that be will he do as has been proposed ban or freeze the sale of arms to saudi arabia for a year
0: well beyond the foreign relations committee here in the senate also has a role in that uh, and i think it's unlikely that we will support any Additional arms sales to the Saudis. This was a punch in the gut um, for us at this moment uh, to have a long-standing partner like Saudi Arabia help Russia fund their war of aggression uh, against Ukraine uh, was a very bitter disappointment and a bit. Do you know how Reagan beat Gorbachev? Reagan beat the communists. Russia, as the late Senator John McCain explained, is nothing more than a gas station masquerading as a country. That's a great observation to give John McCain the tiny little bits of credit he sometimes deserves. But Reagan beat Russia by flooding the market and making gas prices so low, oil prices so low, Russia couldn't make any money. This is a punch in the gut. All you got to do is go back 40 years and see the playbook. Start producing energy. Flood the market, cripple them. What are we talking about? Oh no, Tony, we can't do it. See, the Saudis, stop telling me what we can't do and let's start talking about what we can do and what we must do. We have a tremendous amount of energy. You won't move, Chris Coons, because you believe that the progressives, the radical environmental weirdos, which they are, who want us to freeze this winter, because after all, Mother Gaia will be better off, and you'll thank us later, you won't stand up to those people. I think we should slap those people right upside the head. Well, figuratively, but whatever. And then go about doing what is necessary to keep a country warm and safe and moving there is the right and there is the wrong there's the yetzer hurrah and the yetzer tov and they are wrong they are radicals like the people who threw the 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 tomato soup on the van Gogh. did you see I, i talked about it they threw the tomato soup on the van Gogh, and then they glued themselves to a wall you think these are people i want to negotiate with about oil to hell with them let's get to work we have to be the rational in a world of irrational people and the progressive party won't be rational they are beholden to the irrational. This problem solves itself if we just start solving it. Your consequence is you won't sell them arms? They'll buy the arms from the Russians. These people don't know how to think any steps ahead, now do they? Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. TonyCats.locals.com. Monday, everyone. Take care.